This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Everybody, this is Callan Day coming to you from Highlands, North Carolina. And this is Bentley Manning. It is Wednesday, July the 8th, and we're delighted to be with you all for this podcast. This is our 16th episode, which is crazy. It's a good thing, Callan, that we keep you around because I could no more keep track of what number podcast this is. <laughs> You didn't even look at anything. You just knew that it was the 16th podcast. That's because last week was 15. Right. Um, so we're grateful for you and for all the gifts you bring, in particular, your ability to, to mark time. Thanks, Bentley. You're welcome. <laughs> so earlier this week, Bentley and I have had some pretty intense discussions around some very serious topics. And by intense discussion, you mean arguments. I don't know if I would have called it an argument. But intense discussions around some serious topics. We were both spirited. Yes. We had different opinions. Um, I guess that could be an argument. Well, either way, we, we went back and forth. We went back some, and forth on some issues. Bentley, do you want to say what they were? or? I'd rather not. I'm assuming if we tell everyone what we were yelling at each other about, that people would make a lot of assumptions about. But well, now they're going to be curious. Well, they can ask us in person. <laughs> Okay, so we are having pretty intense discussions about, you know, some things that will remain undisclosed. (laughs) And And for what it's worth, I mean, for those people listening, I would say that, I mean, tell me if you agree, Kellen, that in terms of our disagreement, we're not like on two dramatically different perspectives. We're just our perspectives on whatever we were yelling at each other about is nuanced enough to where we can... But there's a lot of common ground. There's a lot of common ground. Yeah, which helps. Which does help. Um, And we're still friends, you know, after all this, which is great. So, um, but it got us thinking about the relationship between uh, religion and politics, which is something that has kind of come up time and time again in the last month or two for me and maybe for you, Bentley. Um, And... We want to have a good discussion about this, but maybe not here on this podcast right now. Yeah. So some of the reasons it's come up for me recently is, as you know, uh, we just celebrated the 4th of July and there's um, there are prayers in our prayer book uh, specifically for the 4th of July that uh, we can use. And uh, David Brooks, uh, the kind of well-known New York Times opinion uh, piece writer, preached at the Washington National Cathedral, and he preached a sermon that was decidedly not partisan, but was clearly uh, political. Um, And I think given all that's been going on in the world, I have seen it come up in a number of ways. People saying things like, you should be more political, you shouldn't be political. So one of the things that I wonder is, do we all mean the same thing when we're talking about what it means to be political. 
Right. I don't I don't think that we're all on the same page when people say be political or don't be political. Um, one of the preaching professors at Calvin, the undergrad I went to, used to say, you know, when people say, I don't want to hear politics from the pulpit, they mean, I don't want to hear your politics from the pulpit. But if you if you preach me my politics, I'll be okay with it. I did have someone come into the office early on and say that I should be more political. And then I asked them, well, what if I was political about this particular issue? And they were like, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Yeah. So it's really, it's just kind of a muddled discussion with not a lot of clarity. And as preachers or, you know, religious leaders, you have to um, sort through that somehow. I think one other thing I just thinking about folks sit on the other side of the altar rail. One of the things that might be tough about being in a church is that you're oftentimes being preached at and you don't get to respond very often, um, which can which can be frustrating. I would imagine frustrating. It's like a one way conversation, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of like this podcast. You all are having to listen to our opinions and you don't get to talk back. But anyway, there is a comment section. (laughs) There is a comment section. This whole topic, this whole area of theology, which is called political theology. It's a question of whether or not the church should be, can be political is something that we'd love to explore in the future. Um, yeah, I think we just need a bit more time to gather our thoughts around it and read some good theologians, but maybe we'll do a formation class on it at some point. Yeah, so the question I guess we would pose to you all listening is, do you think the church should be political? Is the church political? And if so, what does that mean? Um, and how would you articulate that? Is it, is it partisan? Um, is it not partisan? Uh, yeah, in what sense is it political or in what sense is it not political? A fun question to chew on before the class uh, gets together. All right, but before we get everyone's blood pressure way up, I think we should probably shift gears a little bit and uh, talk about something a bit more parochial. Yeah, that sounds great, Bentley. Stay tuned for more details about that class. It's a wild world we're all trying to find our place in it. It's a wild world, no one seems to understand it. It's a wild world, but there ain't no way I'm gonna quit it. Love is all I've got to give away. Okay, so Bentley has been wanting to tell this story on the podcast for a few weeks now. And I I think this is the moment, Bentley. I think you should share this triumphant um, feat of yours with right. everyone. Can I start by just saying, I, I think um, there's a sense in which, as Christians, we're not meant to be prideful. Right. We're um, supposed to diminish in order that God, Christ, might increase. Mm-hmm. This is a lesson from John the Baptist. But I just got to tell this story. <laughs> okay, and it might just be a story of luck. We'll get to that. It might be... Um, story of skill it might be a story of skill but is a story worth sharing (laughs) oh boy (laughs) okay questions 
Okay, so you're going to tell a story, and I'll ask questions to guide you along, okay? Great. Um, where were you and when did the story take place? All right, so we're in Montgomery, Alabama for my sister-in-law's ordination to the diaconate, and we were at a lake house. Okay, and this is about a month ago, right? About a month ago. Okay, and you were on a boat, no? I was I was on a dock, you were on and a other dock. people were on a boat. Okay, okay, and then what happened? All right, so one of our friends, it was his house, he leaned over to the boat from the dock, and his brand new iPhone fell into the lake. Tragic. Tragic. It was also, you didn't ask this question, but it was like 7.30 in the evening, so it was dusk. So it's getting a little hard to see, maybe. Right. Um, and... What is the reaction to the phone falling into the well, water? Well, it's a, it's a tough situation. He just bought the phone. These phones, I think, are pretty expensive. I mean, they're always expensive. So he spent like $1,000, which is crazy, for this phone. And it falls to the bottom of the lake. And the depth finder on the boat says that it's 13 feet down. And an important maybe detail that you did not include the first time you told me this story is that the phone is in a waterproof case. Yeah, he the phone was in a waterproof case. So it's not immediately ruined. It's not um, it's not immediately ruined. <laughs> and there are a number of people there. We were socially distancing ourselves from one another, but there were a handful of people there and we were all uh sad, mm-hmm. shocked, mm-hmm. um dejected. Sure. It was a desperate <laughs> situation. So so then Bentley what did you decide to do? So my friend, well, here's what happened. So my friend whose phone it was, he decides to jump in and, and to see if he by any chance could go get it, which was seemed a little crazy, right? I mean, it's the bottom of a lake. You can't see. It's dark. It's getting a little cold out. And he goes down and then comes back up because the pressure from the depth hurt his ears so much that he came back up. He did not reach the bottom. He, I think he touched the bottom, but came back up immediately. Okay. So, you know, I thought maybe my ears were different than his. And? So I went down, did not touch the bottom, and my ears started hurting, and I turned around and came back up. Did you feel sort of defeated at that moment? I felt defeated, and I got back up on the dock And I gave myself a little pep talk. Yeah. And it went something like this. Bentley, you can swim 14 feet down. You've done it your whole life. You did it as a kid. You just need to pop your ears and then keep going. Mm -hmm. So you know what I did, Kellen? That's what you did. That's exactly what I did. And I jumped back in. I popped my ears and I got to the bottom and I touched the bottom and I came back up. Did you get the phone? No. But you touched the bottom. I touched the bottom. And, and you're at, like, this is okay, I can do this. Right. And at that point, people were kind of smiling and thought it was silly that we were trying to get the phone. But I persisted. How many times did you go to the bottom of the lake? I went six times. And on the sixth time, Kellen Day, I got to the bottom and I found the phone. No way. I did. I found the phone, put it in my hands, got up to the surface and celebrated How did you celebrate? I, well, there was a smile on my face that I think spoke volumes (laughs) about the joy that I had and pride. I mean, I, you know, after the fact, Kellen, Mm -hmm. Leslie, my wife, you all know Leslie listening, 
She said to me, what are the odds? Back to the question of the odds, right? What are the odds? There's zero if you don't jump in the water. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> we have a local hero among us, everyone. Bentley <laughs> Manning. I'm just saying it's, I, I was, I was as surprised as you. so glad that our listeners finally got a chance to hear that story, Bentley. Yeah, me too. It really showcases some of your best and most incredible skill set. I think so. <laughs> um, so speaking of things falling to the ground, I guess, um, in our gospel text, Jesus is talking about some seeds falling to the ground. And what happens to those seeds? I think we should explore this gospel reading together and see what we have in store for us this coming Sunday. Sounds great. So our gospel text is taken from Matthew 13, and Jesus is gathered with crowds around him, and he tells them the parable of the sower. He says that the sower went out to sow some seeds. He, you know, sowed some seeds on the path, on some rocky ground, on some thorns, and then finally on some good soil. And of course, the seed on the path, the rocky grounds, and then the thorns, you know, don't grow. And the seeds on the good soil does grow. And then we have sort of the gospel writer's commentary on this parable. And the seed is taken for the word of the kingdom. And... That gives a lot of reasons for why this word might not be, um, might not bear fruit in someone's life. But the good soil is the one who hears and understands this word, and it will bear fruit. And in one case, a hundredfold, and another 60, and another 30. All right, Kellen, what I always find to be a challenge if I'm preaching on a, a parable like this is if you get the parable and then right after the parable you get an interpretation of the parable right kind of mm, not traps it's not the verb i want but it gives you sort of the the primary interpretation um that you should preach whereas i think that the parables kind of defy one specific interpretation typically right Right, right, right. So if we just look at the parable itself, um, I think that we can maybe come up with a number of interpretations or modes of engaging Jesus's little story. Yeah, so one one of the things that I think I'm tempted to do when I see a parable like this is to kind of figure out who represents who in the parable. And at first glance, (laughs) you would think the primary character that being the sower represents God, but a closer look makes it feel like it might be uh, disciples, apostles, people called to go about the work that God's given them to do. Yeah, I really like that interpretation um, where, 
you know, all of us are the ones who are called to sow the seeds and to scatter them wherever, on the path, on the thorns, um, on good soil and bad soil. And, um, you know, it's up to God to give the growth. But then there's kind of another interpretation, right, where we humans are the ground on which the seed is sown. Right. And I think this is a kind of fun way to think about it is, you know, what kind of soil do our hearts possess and how ready are we to receive the word of God that might be sown into our hearts? Yeah, so we're both growing gardens right now. And so I feel like I'm more and more aware of what, you know, good soil looks like and feels like and and how much is required for plants to grow well. Um, it's not Yeah, it's not, it's a not pa- easy. It's not and and I this is a wonderful insight, I think. Having being an amateur gardener at this point the one thing that I've discovered is that it's not a passive activity. No, it takes like a lot of work. It takes more work than I, <laughs> I might have realized <laughs> at the beginning. Um, we both have a bunch of weeds in our gardens because it rains a bunch here. And so I feel like my plants are always competing for nutrients with those weeds. And so the question but I feel like this parable is asking me right now if my heart is the soil. is like what weeds are present, what weeds are taking up space um, where the fruit and veggies should be growing. Um, Thinking about, Kellen, all of the weeds and things that can grow up and choke out the good plants in our gardens and then thinking about our own lives. I mean, for me... I think one of the most invasive species growing in my heart is probably pride and how that blocks me from seeing the weeds that might be growing up. I mean, not only is it a weed, (laughs) but it also... um, It's like ground cover. It's ground cover (laughs) that doesn't even allow me to see the weeds that might be growing up all over the place. As I think about this gospel in my own life, that's something that comes to mind. Yeah, so I guess the question for all of us that we're asking you to consider, and maybe the parable is asking you to consider, is what weeds are in your heart or in your life that maybe you need some help clearing out. Now this world with broken toes From my missteps and told your souls I learned my way breaking every bone Now I see the 
Here's a prayer. Gracious God, you created me of the dust of the earth and breathed life into me. Lord Jesus Christ, you sought out those who had no claim to holiness and who knew their need of your mercy. Dying, you prayed for forgiveness and rising to new life, you spoke peace to your fearful disciples. Holy Spirit, your gifts are wisdom and counsel. You enlighten the mind and lead us to know what is right, good, and in accordance with God's will. Amen. That prayer came from St. Augustine's prayer book. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Empty Pews. It was a joy to have you with us. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.